You're tuned in to the Here to Last podcast, where we have authentic and meaningful conversations on topics that matter in life. I'm your host, Deborah Chan. We only have one chance at life, so it matters what we listen to. So lean in. Are we raising materialistic kids? Hang in there. While the title sounds like it's only for parents, it is not. It's actually an episode for all of us to take a deeper look at the ever-changing, rapidly growing consumeristic society we live in and what it's doing to us and our families. Come on, let's face it. We are bombarded with advertisements left, right and centre on a daily basis. Before I can even do my home workout on YouTube, I have to bear with 5 seconds of involuntary ads before I can click the skip ad button. My Instagram has strategically sandwiched ads in between the stories and the posts I view. Then, there are the umpteen online stores like Lazada, Shopee, Zalora, Amazon, Book Depository, all making purchases so simple in just a few clicks. Neither ads nor online stores are going away anytime soon. In fact, they are here to stay and will definitely grow. Stuff in the stores and businesses will keep luring our attention to buy. And this is not just an urban problem. It's the same in rural areas as well. As long as you have a phone and internet, bam, you're linked to an online experience and a shopping experience like no other. Our society feeds us with the idea that more is better. And our kids are bombarded with the idea that they will be cool and have more value when they have more stuff. And as a parent, you're probably wondering, how do I raise my children to be not so materialistic? I have wondered, and I have thought long and through about this, and I want my children to be happy and not miss out on anything. But I also don't want my children to be entitled, self-centered or hooked on stuff. So, what's this episode about? I'm going to be exploring hints that may signal your child is holding on to stuff too tightly, some possible reasons for that behavior, and how as a parent we can reverse that. And according to some articles I read, materialism usually starts at around 8 to 9 years old when your children are in primary school and it usually peaks during a child's teenage years of wanting to fit in and belong. I brought up age because you may think your child is fine now and not very materialistic. But if we're not vigilant as parents, bad habits can creep in and all of a sudden, you may find an entitled kid living under the same roof. So I reckon the best place to start would be to define when stuff becomes more than just stuff. In other words, materialistic. I do think that everyone is materialistic to a certain degree. It's perfectly natural and totally normal to want things. I mean, think of it this way. If as humans we didn't see things and wanted and went for them, we wouldn't survive as a species. And a certain amount of materialism is part of life. It actually helps us make sense of the world. But the question is, When does it become an unhealthy behavior? 
that insatiable feeling of wanting something so badly that if you can't have it, there is an unsettledness and restlessness that cannot be calmed. So I have done my fair share of reading and a little bit of research to come to some conclusions. Here is where I would draw the line. You are materialistic when you have an insatiable need to keep buying things, even when you don't need them. You find pleasure in just keeping and storing and stocking up stuff. You, you get this restless and disgruntledness when you can't have the thing that you want. You're materialistic when you think that possessions will make you happier and therefore you need to keep buying things to stay happy or to be happier. And some may even rake up a debt just to get the things they want. You're materialistic when you want to maintain or keep up with a certain image or identity you aspire to be or have carved up for yourself and your family. Possessions then become a defining factor to your identity, your self-worth and your self-confidence. And finally, you're materialistic when you make possessions a coping mechanism or a form of escape from other life issues such as maybe a divorce, the loss of a loved one, a breakup or a big conflict in life. And if you nodded to any of those descriptions that I just mentioned, it's okay. You know, remember, we're all materialistic to a certain degree and at different seasons of our life, we may change. But the important thing is to recognize when it becomes a bad behavior and what we need to put into place to become less materialistic. So the big question is, how do we raise children who are not materialistic? I have five very practical, non-magical ways of how I would do it. And I've gone through my reflection to be able to write down these five things. The first is this, change starts with us. As a mom, I'm constantly on this self-reflecting journey of how my attitudes and behaviors are translated into action in my little ones. So the first step is very obvious. It has to start with us. Our children's view and perspective on stuff starts with how we view material possessions and how we value them. Children grow their roots of understanding from within the family, which is why reflecting on our own behaviors and habits and preferences is the very first starting point. So for example, how often do our children see new parcels appearing in our homes because we just went on another online shopping spree? Or how do we describe or talk about our friends based on their material possessions and what they have? The new car or the new clothes or toys or gadgets or shoes or the new home? Our children follow our lead. If we always have to have the latest, coolest gadget or clothes then chances are that our children will want it too. We have to set that example. And if we buy into that lie of having nice things leads to the highway to happiness, then our children will think that too. So it's okay to like what you like, but watch how you express it and what messages you're sending to your children. So instead of pointing out the material possessions someone has, for example, the cool bike, 
or the new gadget or whatever it is, make it a point to highlight other intrinsic values that the other person has. For example, their generosity or their hospitality or their big-heartedness or kindness or the way they treat other people. The point is this. Material possessions won't make you any happier if you are not already contented with what you have. Our children's sense of security and identity must not come from stuff and stuff alone. Because, truth to be told, stuff don't last, especially if it's made in China. The second point is this. We have to teach our children the difference between needs and wants. When then do we draw the line between what we can afford to give and what we should give? It is so tempting to give in to an entire wish list of a child, especially when they ask politely or they have reasonable reasons and they give you the cutest stare ever. Parents resist and teach your child to think before they buy or get something. We have to start talking about the difference between needs and wants and do it for every category of item in the home, from clothes to toys to books, gadgets and so forth. Teach them the reason why they would need the item and help them to see that they can actually live without it. In this fast-paced world where everything has to be done pronto, we can easily fall into the trap of instant gratification. Teach your children to experience the reward of waiting for something that they really want because then they would treasure it a lot more. Well, you may have a disgruntled child if you simply ask them to wait or you kept saying no to every request that they have. So teaching them requires time and patience and repetition on our part and not to mention modeling it too. So I read this very interesting method that a parent actually tried out. So this parent had a discussion with a child about having a phone and the child obviously wanted it and the parent also realized that probably he needs it to stay connected. So parent and child had a discussion and they came up with this mutual agreement that the child will be given a phone but only with texting and calling abilities with a certain limit. And then the child argued that he also needed internet access. So the conclusion of the matter is this, that with the phone, the child would have to pay for his own internet data if he wanted internet access, but it would be monitored for usage. In the end, it was a win-win situation. And I thought that was a pretty good trade-off. Now, since my children are only seven and four, and they're still quite young, I'm hoping that that phone discussion will be put off for a few more years. But I would definitely remember this method that this parent had shared. With this idea, help your children to understand what exactly are our needs, things that we cannot live without, and then what are their wants. Honestly, not all wants are bad. They can be powerful driving forces and motivators for someone to succeed. And this discussion of needs and wants is not a cookie-cutter standard. I believe it needs to be taken case-to-case and in different seasons of a person's life. The third way is this. Model gratitude. 
Teaching and showing gratitude is one of the best ways to offset materialism. Have you ever noticed your child complaining like this? I'm bored. I have nothing to do. I don't have anything to play with. These phrases have been spoken in my house multiple times. Typically, my response is this. What are you talking about? You have a room full of toys and books. Don't tell me you're bored and don't complain. Go and find something to do. When I hear my kids going down that spiraling road of complaining, I know that they're in a place of not being content and only focused on the negative. And this is when I redirect them to a place of gratitude. When we have an attitude of gratitude, our children will pick up on it. Being thankful for what we do have instead of complaining about what we don't can teach our children some great life lessons. So next time you catch your child complaining about having nothing to do, ask them to look around the house and make a list of five things that he or she is grateful to have. And this will help shift their perspective to one of gratitude. I recently did this with my seven-year-old son and he completed a gratitude list. The key is this, to be consistent with the attitude of gratitude. Some other ways of cultivating gratitude is to be verbally descriptive about the small things in life. So for example, we would take evening walks and watch the colours of the melting sun in the horizon and I would play a game. What colours do you see in the sky? And they would name different colours from magenta to purple to blue, white, grey and then we would thank God for the beautiful sunset. Or we would just go for walks and start describing the little things that we're thankful for. Thanking God for the car that we have, the breath that we breathe, the ability to walk, the sense of smell, the sense of sight, the littlest things in life that we often take for granted. Make it as descriptive as possible. Because when we do say it, they hear it and then they take it in. It's another form of gratitude. These attitudes of gratitude is a way of life. And inevitably, when we keep doing it, they will pick up on it. Occasionally, let's be real, they may act a little ungrateful. But that's when we gently remind them again of the small, little and simple things in life that is worth being grateful for. And the fourth point is this. Focus on the relationship not the stuff. I'm going to say this, that it is not easy being a parent, especially if you have a 9 to 5 job that often extends to 10 to 12 hour blocks and you may not entirely be in control of your work schedule or have any flexibility at work at all. Even if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, it's equally challenging with no solid breaks in your day. Sure, it's not easy being a parent, But the same side of the coin is true. It's not easy being a child these days. There are so many things that children have to navigate and they need us to be there. The point is this. Be a present parent. Buying your children tons of toys just to keep them occupied does not make the task of a parent any easier. Neither would a new laptop, phone or game make it any easier. 
Children crave attention, no matter how young or old. They may not express it, or they may even act out in rebellion or be recluse because they want your attention. Material possessions will definitely make them happy for a time being, but ultimately it doesn't hold. So here's an idea: instead of rewarding your children with more gifts for maybe doing well in school. Maybe think of an experience that you can do together as a reward, or think of thoughtful gifts to reinforce their sense of belonging, worth, and value. So, I'll give you an example. On my son's fifth birthday, I decided not to give him a present. In fact, it was a pact between my husband and I to not give our children any presents until they turn four or five years old, when they learn the value of gifts and presents. So on his fifth birthday, instead of buying him something, I decided to make him something. I made him a treasure box. I salvaged a mooncake box, a tin box, and then I spray painted it and put a collage on it. And it, you know, on on the top of the box, it wrote, "Seth, you are loved." I filled the box with tons of notes and a long letter to him. And when I gave it to him on his birthday, he was so touched when he received it. And when he read the long letter that I wrote for him, he actually cried. A five-year-old. See, thoughtful gifts go a long way because it's not only a physical gift; it's an indelible memory for your child. And finally, the fifth very practical and non-magical way to raise non-materialistic kids is this: give your children opportunities to give. While some may advocate going on a missions trip or doing charity so that our children can learn how differently others live and open their eyes to the needs of others, I don't fully agree with just the comparison perspective. And it, missions trips and charities should not be the only way that our children give. Our children need to learn that there are needs everywhere, not just in poor and disadvantaged communities. The experience of taking them out of their comfort zone is beneficial, but we must always teach them that needs are everywhere, and that we need to be aware of them, and that we can be a blessing to others. So, in our family, we have exposed our children to the world outside our bubble, and we try to do that as often as possible. Our kids see how others live and the reality of poverty. And it helps that we are, you know, in a smaller city,、uh, but it does take effort on our part to take them out of their comfort zone. They will have that understanding that they have a lot. In fact, they have more than enough, and they have additional to give to others. It will also help them to let go of things that they don't need or use very often. Get your children involved in the giving process. Because then they would understand that they are letting go of the the stuff, and it's not the parent that is letting go of the stuff. And I think sometimes we may feel guilty that you know if our children don't want to let go, we might you know、uh, revert back to say that oh if you give this to that person, I will buy you a new toy. Try to resist that behavior of. You know,、uh, substituting an old toy with a new one. Instead, teach our children to let go, so that they don't hold too tightly to material stuff, even at a young age. 
So in my house, every few months, we would clear out cupboards and drawers and find things that we can give away. New things, pre-loved goods that are still in great condition and even toys that are not played with. Now, I have to admit, as a parent, I overdid it once and I didn't ask permission from my son when I gave away some of his toys. And when he saw the toy being given away, he asked me, Mommy, why are you giving away my toy? I realized that he recognized ownership over his stuff. And from that day onwards, whenever I give away his stuff or even his sister's stuff, I always talk them through it and ask them if it's okay to give or not. I explain who we're giving it to and why we're giving it away and why someone else would need it or love it even more. And then recently, I realized that he mentioned a few children that uh, that you know we've been giving away stuff to. And he exclaimed with such joy, he said, Mommy, this kid has been wearing all of my clothes. I'm glad he has my clothes. And so he knows where it's going to and that it's being you know, put to good use. It is little acts like this that teach our children that they can be little blessings too. Phew! This is a loaded episode. Let's admit it, raising non-materialistic children is a difficult task for us as parents, especially with what's happening around us and how technology controls most of our lives. These ways may appear to be counter-cultural and they are really lifestyle habits. However, it is important for every parent to raise humble, compassionate, appreciative, responsible adults who will not value happiness from material things alone, but from experiences, from relationships, and from other people. So these are just a few ways that I've shared with you. And if you have any other ways that you have successfully implemented in your own household to you know put into place principles of how to raise children that are not materialistic i would love to hear your insights share it with me in the comment section and finally if you like this episode be sure to subscribe if you have not so you won't miss future episodes i release new ones every other week share this with your friends if you found it helpful and as always Thank you so much for listening and more chit chat soon.